Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms of apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans. Hello and welcome to another edition of Red Side of the Trent. This is your host, Adam Wicklow, bringing you the preview show. Uh, Forrest will be hosting Aston Villa on another Monday night football where we hope to finally stop the rot, really, is, is all I'm going to say in all honesty. Um, I'm joined by David Michael and Chris Budd from My Old Man Said podcast. How are you, fellas? Are you good? Chris, let's start with you. You all right? Very well, thank you. Are you? Yeah, not too bad. Welcome it's- back to the Premier League and all that. Uh, no, yeah, this is kind of uh, everyone's. I think Forest and Villa have got quite a nice kind of friendly thing going on, haven't they? They've had that for a while. I think that's why I like. To there's think, a, anyway. there's a bit of mutual respect. I'd like to think from a certain era. We're probably a bit too young to remember it, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's it. Isn't it? Uh, David, how are you, buddy? You're right. Yeah, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. I, I do actually remember. I, I watched uh, Villa win the European Cup when I was a kid, so. Uh... That's, that's not too bad, is it? I, it's, I been watched... downhill. It's, it's been downhill, downhill ever, since. ever since then. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually, I went to see Forest before I did Villa, actually. I mean, I was a Villa supporter at the time, but uh, I'm kind of from around that neck of the woods and uh, I actually went to the Forest uh, playoff against Huddersfield. I managed to uh, smuggle in six Forest fans as well because a lot of uh, my family members are uh, tricky trees. So uh, they, were, <laughs> they were struggling to get tickets and... Uh, I just had a brainwave that uh, a Villa fan that came over from America uh, that I met, I actually met him in New York when I was over there. He came over, came to a Villa game, uh, and then I asked him what he was doing uh, in his next few days, and he said, oh, I'm, I'm off to Huddersfield to watch them play. And I was like, what the hell are you going to Huddersfield for? The most random thing. Turns out that gave him the booking history that we needed. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. That's so fair he managed enough. to get six Wembley tickets for Forest fans. So, uh, uh, well, that's all right, isn't it? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just before we get into like Villa and like delve into you guys, I do want to touch on Cooper signing a new deal because this is the first time we've been able to speak 
about it on a forest on our forest podcast anyway there's, yeah, yeah. there's a few of those out there and it comes on a back it, it's a bit of kind of shell shocked the the fan base in forest terms because Maranakis is known for pulling a trigger even especially at Olympiacos they lose about two games and they get rid of a manager I think they've been about three this season or something daft so forest fans feared the worst but from a villa perspective uh, Chris what 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 does that does that kind what does that kind of tell you in a way because obviously you guys are I will talk about it in a bit more detail but Stephen Gerald is under a little bit of pressure and you're not you're not doing that poorly really I suppose the bar our bar is set very differently to Forest this year I think what it probably says is maybe two things one they trust him long term that in the worst case he's the guy to get us back up if you were to go down Mm. Two, you've had such a was it twenty three players you brought in in the summer? You've had 20, such an enormous twenty three, yeah, yeah, such an enormous squad overhaul that it isn't going to be a quick fix for anyone. If you brought a new manager in today with a brand new squad, nobody's going to be settled, and you're starting again. I don't think that would be the right thing, to, the right the right move. And and also, I think he's got so much credit in the bank. Me and David were talking about it earlier that to go from where you were at the start of last season through that cup run and the, and the sort of the momentum and the turnaround. And frankly, some of the football they were playing as well. It's like by the time you got to the playoff final, of course you were going to win that game. Um, he's got enough credit in the bank that surely the owners and him and probably hopefully the fan base and the players, they weren't naive enough to think it was going to be plain sailing once you got promoted. You know, you, you were very late to the party in terms of the business you did. And we had this exactly the same. You know, when you win the playoffs, you, you, you can't roll the dice. Like if you've run the, you know, if you're 10 points clear in March, you think, right, this is likely to happen. Let's do our groundwork. You didn't have any time to, so you've started, you know, four weeks, five weeks behind everyone else. So I think he's just got to be moderate. I think it's the right thing, but he was he was under pressure, which I I just didn't get why your manager would be under pressure. I think it's literally the reputation of the owner and, and Olympiacos are used to winning, so it's kind of comes from all that. We've had a sacking merry-go-round for a long, long time at Forest. We used, I think there was a stupid record of like 20 odd managers in the last like 18 years or something crazy. So it's kind of like something we're used to really. But other, other than that, let's, let's talk Villa, obviously sitting 14th, eight points, David, uh, Gerard appointed 11th of November, but why is he under so much pressure? Would you say? Well, the record speaks for itself. Uh, with four wins in 19 games, which is, half a season so uh, four wins in half a season it's not really a looking good problem with Villa is the last uh, two to three seasons they've they've budgeted to to finish eighth seventh I mean I think they have the seventh most expensive squad at the moment in the Premier League so that's the ballpark that's where the pressure is uh, we had a pretty good uh, pre-season, so it's one of those where expectations are high and then uh, first game of the season, bang, Bournemouth beat you and then you, you're kind of stuttering. And I mean, there's 101 reasons why uh, it's kind of not gelling. I mean, it's mainly to do with uh, Villa were buying, uh, seemingly buying players without really uh, looking at... Uh, what they were doing in terms of forging a first team, you know, you, you, you get in Buendia in and then suddenly uh, when Gerard comes in, you get Coutinho as well. And you're thinking, well, that's Buendia, uh, you know, he's going to have problems getting into the team. So it was kind of uh, just that there was no kind of fluency and there's no uh, recognized first team, but we had, we didn't have the pieces. I think we're still missing a, a midfielder or two. And now we're in a situation where, uh, I mean, we were, 
at the end of uh, our last game, we were six defensive players, including a DM, uh, injured, who would normally make up the first team and the match day squad. But uh, even though he's, we're like three games unbeaten now and a pretty decent performance against Manchester City, I mean, the only team to, uh, I think, in recent times to stop Haaland scoring a hat-trick. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> but there's still that kind of bitterness. Well, well, there's two ways of looking at Gerard. He's got a, for example, he's got to beat Forest and then maybe get a decent result against Chelsea. Then the focus turns to this season and you forget about last season. But at the moment... Everybody's kind of adding up the uh, last seat, well, this year, this calendar year, well, the end of last season's results to the current ones. And it just to make the, you know, make the picture look doom and gloom. Yeah. Um, Chris, uh, David touched on uh, recruitment and, and transfer policy there. And I had a quick look before we started and looked at what you've done since the sale of Jack Grealish. And it kind of reminds me of what Spurs did under with Gareth Bale when they sold him to Real Madrid and they kind of just threw money at a few, fair few players and hoping something would stick. Is that something that you would agree with or disagree with? Like because I'm not, I can't really put a finger on who's been quite successful apart from a, a certain Matty Cash. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, who was a relatively by modern Premier League standards quite a, mo- a modest transfer fee. Yeah. Um, well, it was the old sort of money ball thing, you know, they tried to replace and the and it, you know, the um personally, the CEO very publicly said, you know, we are trying to replace Grealish in the aggregate by bringing in Danny Ings, which at the time that was a real statement signing that came out of nowhere, you know, no one knew about it, there'd been no you know press on it. So everyone thought, wow, that's a good signing. Bailey was very hotly tipped. Buendia was obviously probably the best player in the championship the, the year before. So on paper, they were all great signings, hmm. didn't really get the best out of any of them. Um, and then you look at the business since, you know, with the likes of sort of you know, this summer, they're all injured. <laughs> Coutinho hasn't really worked out. Dina's been in and out the side with injuries as well. So they haven't really had any of these new higher profile players really come in and, um, you know, be the main man. I think Kamara's come in and impressed. You think there's a lot of potential there, you know, for a sort of a 22 year old who was playing in the Champions League and now a French international midfielder. You think we've for a team that finished 14th and finished the way we did last year, we didn't really have any right signing him. The same with Kamara, with um, Carlos at the back, you know, £26 million severe centre-back who's playing in the Champions League. Why are you coming to a mid-table Premier League side when you would have thought he could have maybe gone higher up? So it's it's this thing, and we've spoken about it every week on our, our podcast, everything's there on paper. And Gerard, you know, his first interview said, we're going to have a no-excuses culture. Well, unfortunately, the thing that I think is knocking the fans off is that it's a whole lot of excuses over the last sort of calendar year. I think it's it's something like, is it f- uh, four wins in 19? I think it's eight wins in 28. Right. I mean, you you, you sustain eight wins in 28 and you're going down. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you, you could drag Villas as as a club, Villas record over the last decade. And uh, you, you're basically saying, well, you might as well close them down. <laughs> but, but based some on of our business evidence. has been, I mean, you look at what, you know, I mean, we it's, it's not really relevant now, but some of the business we did in the championship, especially when we first got relegated with, you know, the likes of McCormack, Hogan, Codger, et cetera. It was just, you know, we were pretty much solely responsible for distorting the championship transfer market. Yeah. In about I mean, a we had, period. We had owners who just saw like somebody like McCormack and just thought, oh, he scores 20 goals a season. Uh, we'll just spend whatever because that guarantees us 20 goals a season. They didn't realise it. Football doesn't really work like that. 
I remember going to Villa Park that first season. You come back down, and uh, one of our players got sent off for a second bookable offence when uh, I think Lansbury scored uh, an equaliser. And I remember just fearing for my life every time Villa come into the half. I was like, "Oh, Jonathan Codger scores goals every time against us." Oh, Ross McCormack does the same. And I was just like, "Where does it like? Where does the talent stop in this division?" And well, no, they 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 uh, in that game, the thing you should have feared was like, "Oh, here's a player that scored Lansbury. We better buy him." He seems <laughs> yeah. to be, he seems to be that was a recipe was just buy the best players and, and then the captains and the captains of all the respective teams in the championship. <laughs> the thing about the thing about Gerard is though that fans are the ones that are they've kind of got it in their head that he should go straight away. Is if let's say Gerard improves and let's say he's as in terms of a coach, he's a seven out of ten. If you get another coach, if you get rid of him and you get another coach in that's a seven out of ten, the thing about Gerard is he's got this cachet in the game that attracts players. That's the reason why we got Diego Carlos, why we got Kamara, why Coutinho came. So that gives us an edge. If he's a decent coach, then it act- he actually works in our favour as well yeah. in the transfer market. So he's worth, in my money, uh, he's worth persevering with until you know it's, it's i mean we'll know i think in october before the world cup because uh the qatar situation where you've got six weeks before uh and, and pretty much you come back after the world cup straight into a january transfer window that's the perfect time to get rid of any manager and there'll, there'll probably be a, a few that might drop because yeah. it, you know you've got time to replace them yeah i just wanted to ask as well like what's villa's kind of What's your formation? I had a, I had a flip through format through through each of your fixtures and looked and saw four three two one and recently four three three and and both of you can can jump in on this. But personally, what what do you think is your best formation? Because I've seen trying to try with Coutinho and Pete, and I've seen like Villa fans say that Wendia should be getting a getting the nod over him and and he's not quite worked out. I don't think he's has he scored or made a goal this season. I'm not sure, but do you think he's not being used correctly or is it bad form or is it bad formation or or, or what would you put it down to? Well, Chris, uh, you, you were saying uh, Chris went to like a Q&A with the, uh, the CEO, uh, I think it was last week. And uh, I mean, you, you can say, Chris, obviously, uh, I mean, he admitted that Coutinho had said that Coutinho himself wasn't happy with his own form. Yeah, Coutinho, you know, he's obviously what, 29, 30 now. He's mature enough. He's been at a good enough level of football to know when he's at the races or not. And he knows he's not, which is obviously frustrating for him. The big thing is certainly in the the early part of the calendar year, the back end of last season, was he's just fit, his fitness wasn't there. You know, he hadn't been playing enough games over the last couple of years. So he'd sort of get to 60 minutes and you knew he was going to cramp up and would. It was almost like you'd be looking at your watch, just counting down for when he'd be on the floor. Um, but you were with a player like him, I think... David has talked about this a lot on our show, that he's that little bit of glitter. He's like the cherry on top when you've got a really well-functioning system and you can get the best out of him and he's around great players who are on his wavelength. At the moment, we're not either set up to get the best out of him, nor are we solid enough to play off him. It's kind of like he's just a very good player, but he's wasted in either the system we're playing or some of the players around him. Whereas we were all sort of salivating at the prospect of, Buendia and Coutinho going at teams together, you just thought they could do serious damage if you've got a system that could get the best out of our best players. Similar to guys like Mo McGinn and Ramsey, you've got Danny Ings, who frankly would probably get into most squads in the Premier League by the top four, top six, and score goals. You know, he scored a shed load of goals at Southampton in a really average team. So it's like 
you give him the service, he'll score goals. Ollie Watkins, I think when you get him confident and firing, he showed in his first year. You know, he was nearly on, he was sort of on about nearly 15 goals by Christmas. Now he should have had 20, 25 goals that season. But, but in terms of formation, we have been playing Ollie Watkins on his own. And he, he's he's kind of the workhorse, isn't he? And that means he hasn't been able to focus on getting in, in the box and getting on the end of things. Yeah, yeah. he's almost been the um he's been the victim of his own hard work because he ends up sort of chasing lost causes out to the corner flags, but then he's not in the six-yard box, which is where you know a Danny Ings would be. It's just it's all a bit square pegs round holes. And in the long, the, the short answer to your question is what's our best system? I don't think anybody knows. And I don't think nobody. Gerard does either. From, yeah, from Gerard downwards, nobody knows. I think, I think we've got a, a problem similar, except we've got 22 players. So it's like, it's more about personnel rather than formation as well. I don't know. It's, it's a, I mean, you've done what we did, but on steroids, haven't you? You've literally sort of, we've took the, an entirely new squad. I mean, we've took the, uh, it's doing a Fulham title completely away, I feel. So we've, we've I feel like that's what we've, we've come back to the Premier League just to at least do something, put our mark on it in somewhat, in some form. Um, but but wait, I, when you beat West Ham, I thought, uh, oh, actually, uh, you might be all right. I mean, we played West Ham. I mean, I, they were awful. After playing West Ham last season, uh, you have certain, I mean, they, they came to Villa Park and just uh, ran through us. And this this season, they they seem to pay us too much respect, as teams do, because they look at on at Villa on paper, and you think, oh shit. But the reality is a bit different. We always say, like when we're watching at halftime, we go, yeah, they've worked out that actually we're not that good at halftime, and they're, they're going to have a go at us now. But West Ham were awful, and you, we could understand why Forest beat them, and but they still beat Villa, and that's the only time the fans have booed Gerard and and actually weren't happy with the result. Yeah, but you know that's kind of turned around recently. I I feel like Forest have gave a lot of respect to too many teams recently, and that's why out, out we're faltering. And I'm sure we'll talk about that on your podcast. But yeah, but, but, but you know, you just sorry going back to Forest and you know Forest hopes they sh- they shouldn't get too down at the moment because when you look at that table, there's 13 teams with two wins or less. So that yeah. just shows you that not everybody's at the races yet. And yeah, the overall standard this year isn't great yet. I think it's going to be a bit of a race to the finish line this year where it'll all be on the second half of the season. I think everyone's scratching around trying to get formula. You look at the teams who are down there with the expectations, teams like Villa, West Ham, Leicester would all expect to be in the top half of the table and they're floundering. Yeah, I remember coming out of Wembley where, with a few of my friends and we looked at the Premier League and we went... Like, who do you say we're going to beat this season? Because the league is so strong this year. It's kind of been a, a baptism of fire of returning, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it because I look at the championship sometimes on, on Quest or Channel 4, wherever it's moved to, and I go, I definitely don't want to go back there. It's turgid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, our, you know, our first season back, we, uh, we, we were pretty much down with four games to go. and We, we pulled out a minor miracle. Where we were seven, was it seven points adrift with four to go? Yeah, which is pretty miraculous. And we just got the results and got over the line in the end and went from strength to strength. But it's that first season thing, you know, by hook or by crook, try and finish 17th. Anything else is a bonus, especially when you've done it the way you have. You know, I think teams who are, you know, you look at what Brentford did, but they were a very, very solid unit over a number of seasons and had come close. You guys had kind of got promoted from a purple patch, hadn't you? And you just you got on a bit of a roll and you kind of rode that crest of a wave right through to promotion. Then you kind of get, you know, you wake up the next morning after the playoff final and go, ah, oh, shit, right. We've actually got to build a squad now. It's all <laughs> yeah. Loans. And, and that's the but, problem with, you know, um, getting promoted through the playoffs. 
but, but also you know, turnaround but, time is quick. But also, I mean, you can get automatic. I mean, over the like you know recent history of football, that first season back is always tricky. Like Leicester uh, stormed through the lower leagues, got up, and then they were fighting relegation. They they kind of sorted that out, and then the next season they won the league. Yeah, which is absolutely you know, men- mental. Isn't it? You know, Villa Villa did a similar thing under Graham Taylor. They you know when they got re- uh, relegated in the late eighties, they popped straight back up. First season struggling just uh, beat relegation next season challenging Liverpool for the title I mean uh, there's, there's sometimes teams come straight up you know back in the day Watford would got promoted finished second in the league Norwich did a similar thing I mean you know you go back even further to you know Brian Clough and you know he managed to get Forrest up and win the league in consecutive seasons when one Frank Clark got promoted we come third first season yeah you know what i mean it's 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 that, a, was that the uh the sort of 94 95 where you had but, collymore and roy and lars yeah. behane and all them lot yeah the 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 magic days which i will never remember because i was too young but um you know <laughs> oh premier league you got premier league years for that anyway. i think we were looking earlier actually and I, i'm pretty sure that was the last time you beat us in the premier league but right <laughs> it was that season at villa park like, I mean, there there has been a seventeen or so year gap where we never played, but uh... yeah, absolutely. I do want to talk about a particular player, obviously, who's not going to be uh, returning to the city ground, which is actually quite a sad time because I think he would have got a, an absolute brilliant reception because he was he was fantastic for us, and that is um, the Polish Cafu Matty Cash. No, he's he's available. He's available. Yeah, start right. as well. Where, Miraculous recovery for Matty. No, he's had, well, he's had two weeks training. Oh well, that's all right. He's, ready, that's he's, he's, ready, put, he's ready to rock and roll. That's kind of put my socket, my foot in my mouth. Then, but anyway, let's talk about. Matty well, well apparently, I mean, I, I saw an interview with him. Uh, I think it was Ben Foster. Yeah, I and, watched it. Yeah, he had a hamstring problem, I think, at Forest, and uh, he made a very quick recovery. Unless it was a, a earlier on in filler, so I, he he does recover very quickly. I did hear that it was um, a weird, like I thought it was like a blood clot or some something. That's what I, the rumor was. But no, I'm, good. I'm glad to see him back, and I think he'll get a terrific reception at the at the city ground because he was so brilliant for us. But I do want to get like your guys' opinions. I think did he win your Player of the Season last year? Yeah, but this year he's been shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear because we need him to be shit. I don't want him to be good against us. I just want. Well, to no, see- there's we 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 uh, we noticed. I mean, the the problem with Gerard's team this season has been, and and probably uh, since the start, he, if there is a system that Gerard is running after, and that's to get the fullbacks up high and very aggressive. And the amount of times we were being caught on the counter because Cash and uh, Lucas Dean were out of position just became comical. So in the last few weeks, you've seen the focus completely on being a bit more cautious, being defensive minded and making sure that side of the game is organized before we even think about the rest. Now, Cash, uh, and this has cropped up a few times, Chris, on the podcast, teams have focused on Cash now, I don't know if that's because you've got people who are playing in front of him that don't track back like Liam Bailey, but the teams have had a lot of joy down that uh, left-hand side or Cash's right-hand side. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, it's, 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 it was a weird one. You know, it, Matty Cash, to be honest, he won the player of the year last year because he was relatively consistent. Mm. But there was still a heck of a lot of games where we sort of talk about it on shows. You'd sit in the ground and you'd still be scratching your head. It just yeah. showed how it showed how sort of inconsistent the whole team was. That he was kind of the best of a, a very bunch. up and down bunch. Not a bad bunch, but just a very inconsistent group. Because it's weird because when we saw him arrive from Forest. We thought, oh, well, he's a midfielder who's turned into a fullback. He's going to be great going forward. And he's got loads of energy. And I think he's maybe got a couple of pretty tasty goals. But we've sort of seen him, when he gets into that final third, his actual delivery. Spin the wheel time. It's real spin the wheel. wheel. The amount of times it's black, he just, it's like a rush of blood to the head and he smashes it across the box and it goes out for throwing on the other side. It's, It's that level where that little bit of intensity that's not there in the championship compared to the Premier League. And I think he's he's still got another gear he's going to need to go in yeah. to sort of get to the level we're going to need him to be at moving Cause, forward. Because he's going to play the way we want to play. We're going to have to the, have fullbacks who can do it. Because at the moment, uh, I mean, he's got another uh, grandparent who uh, is also, uh, well, another grandparent that's actually uh, German. But uh, because of his performances so far... It, only the Polish would let them in. Uh, squad, so, uh, if he could cross, he would have been in the German squad. Oh, I'm not sure though, because I think Joshua Kimmich would have something to say about that. But I, I I'm, think, I'm joking, I, obviously. But yeah, his delivery has let him down big time, and it, and it squandered a lot of uh, potential. I think when he burst onto the scene at Forest, he was a like a number ten or a winger. No one quite knew where he played, but he was just this energetic kid who would would just run everywhere like like a kid in the playground as you if you want to call it that where he's just running after the ball and he's just really enthusiastic and and wants to do really well and then I mean you've got to kind of remember this is what his third or fourth season actually playing at fullback and he's still learning but I do understand that inconsistency because it was the same even when he was a winger at Forest when he when he was playing it was like like you say it's like spinning the wheel kind of thing but um that's that's all I've got to say on it really but but we've just... noticed in the last few weeks the difference with respect to him. As soon as Ashley Young came on against Man City, mm. we looked so steady. And I know he's obviously in the, the twilight of his career, but you saw a guy whose delivery's on the money, his passing's neat and tidy, his positional plays cock on. And you kind of think that's what you need if Villa want to be a top seven, top eight Premier League side. You can't have a system built around fullbacks bombing on and the fullbacks aren't bombing on effectively. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a moment where uh, when Cash went off, and then Young came in, and everybody's like, you know, a bit tentative. But then the ball got pay- played through, and De Bruyne had like a, a yard or two on Young, and he thought, oh, here we Young go. Burned him, didn't he? Young burned him down, and then just just 
basically squatted him away. And you, <laughs> you just thought, ah, oh, good luck, Cash, getting back into this team. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, I mean, Ashley Young's a, a seasoned pro. He's, he's obviously a very good footballer and, and, and is well-respected. So fair play to uh, he's him actually, in, in, his, he's a- in his later age. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of fans were like, oh, what, what have we got him in again for? Um, you know, we, we signed him twice uh, on a free after getting him for one year. And, you know, people were mo- moaning because, you know, everybody wants to headline 50, 60 million signing. But wh- when you've seen him play, he's, he's our, basically our transfer of the season so far. Oh, fair enough. Because cool. he, he gives us something, it gives us a bit more edge. He's in, the, he's in the face of the referee. We've been a bit of a soft touch. Uh, you know, we used to say we're kind of in the image of our manager at the time, Dean Smith. He's like a super nice guy. Hmm. And we needed to... Uh, you know, we'd, we'd see other teams time wasting and, you know, pulling the dark arts on us. And it's only now that we've we've started doing that back to them. You need some bastards. Is that what you're trying to say? Basically? Absolutely. <laughs> but let's get let's get some thoughts on, on the game anyway, because um, we need to talk some 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 bollocks here really about it. There's, there is football to be happened. Unfortunately, it's not happening over the weekend. Uh, with us recording this on a Friday. It's on Monday night again. But yeah, how how is this a game that that Gerard is? Is it a must win for Gerard? Would you say? Yes. And is it a good, would you say it's a good time to be playing Forest or not now because Cooper signed this new deal? Is it kind of? Maybe they've got to relax a little think, bit more or what? I don't, I mean, is it, uh, let me ask you a quick question. Uh, there, there Wasn't there going to be a bit of appreciation for, uh, from fans at the city ground for Cooper on Monday anyway? Or I mean, I don't, I, I saw something like this on Twitter and I thought, why do we need to do that when there's been appreciation home and away all season? It, right, yeah, it would have yeah. made sense. I mean, we went Man City, they scored, and we were still singing Cooper's name whilst they were cheering their fifth or sixth goal. I can't really remember. To right, be right, I was okay. having too much of a good time being yeah. being a happy clapper at the time. So I, I don't see what the point in that is. It, although it's a nice nice thought, it, it doesn't it doesn't really seem to to matter too much really. Yeah, I, I the think in been term, there all the time. In terms from a Forest point of view, I don't think it's a good time to play us because it's probably uh, if we wanted one game to really give us a, a proper legitimate momentum swing, it's like we're on a three game unbeaten run. Nobody really, you know, they just consider that stopping the rot as opposed to turning you know turning the corner yeah. but I think if we beat Forest it'd be our first win uh, uh, sorry first win away then you suddenly four games unbeaten you've got a couple of wins finally and uh, then you generally feel that actually we might be going in the right direction and you know the Gerard's uh, out the Gerard out fan club might pipe down a bit yeah I, I just wanted to ask you Chris as well like on on Monday night, where where could Forest potentially see any joy against Aston Villa and, and vice versa against Forest? Um, now traditionally, I'd say Villa are normally their own worst enemy. So <laughs> like be, Forest, <laughs> yeah, but, and, it, and that's that's sort of been the, the real problem under Gerrard and the inconsistency has been it's been so self inflicted. Some of our problems. I mean, if you if you saw some of the goals we conceded last year, they were so avoidable. We, we weren't getting sort of getting 30-yard screamers getting blasted past us. It was all just pathetic, weak defending. I think the big one will be for Forrest. Having seen how Southampton played against us, how Leeds played against us, I think if you're too open too early, 
we've got the players who will pull you apart. Even though we're disjointed individually, like man for man, we should be a bit, we should have enough to beat you. Hmm. I think it gets interesting if you guys sort of retreat to your 18-yard line and say, okay, Villa, you have a crack and we'll try and hit you. I think that's where Villa can be frustrated because I think defensively, we do seem to have turned a bit of a corner and we look a lot more solid. Um, it's if if you sort of let, you know, if you give a Coutinho, a Buendia, Ramsey space to drive at you, carry the ball, I think that's where we can hurt you. I also think just pressing us higher up uh, gives us problems as well. Yeah, if you, like, if you like sit on the Everton, area. Everton were just sitting back. Southampton, uh, I mean, Southampton, we were organising defence, but it's, yeah, if you get at, get at us while we, our defenders are trying to play it out the back, that's where uh, a lot of teams have... Uh, it's just, I think, I suppose, for a, a newly promoted side, is if you've got that little bit of bravery to have a go and be aggressive. Yeah. Leeds I mean, had I, it to begin with, and they kind of ran out of steam after about 20 minutes and didn't keep it up. Yeah, I think I can't remember where I've seen it. It was either Instagram or Twitter, and I've seen some training of Coutinho putting a one in the top corner or something. And I, I think I even commented on it and saying Villa have seen that Forest are letting goal of the season contenders in every week, and now they're all trying it. So I wouldn't I'm, worry. That, that, no. Like, yeah, no. Well, what, no say, wait, wait. You, you say this, but every... I, I am worried because it's just happening every week. We seem to let teams just have a free shot at goal from 20, 20 to 30 yards and they seem to fly what, in. What's happening every uh, every week uh, from a Villa point of view is that Coutinho video uh, was actually before the Leeds game. So you see, you know, you see the, the training video, it goes in the top-hand corner and then he's in exactly the same position against Leeds and he hits the bar. It's always the difference. Uh, it's always those <laughs> fine margins. It. No, it's, them, it's them fine margins, isn't it? But I... How do you, how will you how do you think Villa will approach the game then? Do you think you'll be on the more on the front foot, or is it kind of depends how each team set up? Because obviously we're on we're in turgid form and we need a result, whether it's a, a draw or a win. We just need something to, like you guys say, stop the rot. Never mind turn a corner. It's just to to stop the five five defeats in a row. Really, the, expect, it, the expectation is go there and win. Yeah, but but that is but that's also with the caveat of it's by hook or by crook. So if you have to go there and be scrappy and win one nil off someone's backside, you do that. Mm. It's, it's it's they're gonna the first focus is defensive organisation. They, they won't go unless for some reason we score an early goal and then the game opens up. Then then we might you know let's say cut loose a bit. But the the focus will be on uh, for want of a better word, kind of grinding it. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, Chris, I just want to ask you what. What do you think your lineup will likely be? Do you think it will be the four three three, the four three two one, or something completely different? It's basically a four three three, but it's all, yeah. Um, I, I he, Gerard had alluded to that he, he could go through at the back and play Bednarak in a three with wing backs. I do wonder if he will do that. I I don't think he will personally. It's probably something he's looking at for later in the season, but. You know, I think Cash will come back in at right back. I think Ashley Young will move into the left back position, Mings and Konza. Um Decisions further forward is do you start with Coutinho or Buendia? He seems to be persevering with Coutinho at the moment. Coutinho's played okay in the last few games. Mm. I mean, that's not given him a. T- yeah, he hasn't, he hasn't sort of had the end product, but he's actually put in a reasonable shift. So. We'd rather have Buendia, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, obviously, uh, Ram- Ramsey, McGinn, Louise will be in midfield three, I'm sure. Um, you know, we've, we're not running on empty yet, but our squad has taken a bit of a hit in the last sort of three weeks, four weeks. So, um, uh, the starting lineup pretty much picks itself, to be honest, at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, I think, did you lose Diego Carlos to a broken leg? Was it? It was a knee ligament, 
or is it AA, like an ACL or what kind of thing? And then yeah. Buba Kamara's come in and, and he's injured already. I don't know what, what yeah. he's done. You might be able yeah. to elaborate, but you know, I can I can see that. But I think that's a knee injury as well. Luke you go? Dean well, as well. Dean is out with a stress fracture. Yeah, he's oh, out. Lord. He's going to miss <laughs> World Cup. So you're talking about three of the back four have gone and the DM in front of the the DM in front of them has gone as well. So four out of, let's say, top five defensive players. Yeah. Would you would you want to see Ings or Watkins or both? Away from home, it's going to be Watkins, I would have thought. Just yeah. because of his, right of his work rate and his pace. Yeah. He's an horrible bloke. He normally scores past us. <laughs> I'm not looking forward He's to it. He's due one. I mean, normally it's Villa. If, if you've got a player who's desperate and hasn't scored in a while, Villa will normally gift you a goal. I'm, I'm hoping that if, from what you're saying, and hopefully it, it will be Watkins because he could really do with you know, his hard work being paid off. But I'd, I'd imagine he'll start with... The, the big one, I suppose, which will be a dilemma, will be Bailey is a bit 50-50 whether he'll play. I think he's quite unlikely to play, which would mean maybe Buendia starts with Coutinho, and that might mean they sh- change their shape ever so slightly. Mm. I mean, And they become a little bit narrower. Lingard or Morgan Gibbs, why I haven't scored yet for us, and they're due one, surely. But we'll, see, we'll, we'll, we'll lump on then. <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, lump on for, for both of us. Um, can I get a score prediction from you both? Uh, I'll start with you, David. Uh, I'm going I'm, I'm, uh, to be very positive and uh, uh, piss off your listeners and go for 3-1 Villa. It's all right. Everyone, everyone pisses our <laughs> listeners. Everyone pisses our listeners off. It's great, Chris. I'm gonna go one nil to the Villa. All right. Thank you very much, uh, guys. Thank I don't you think it'll much. be pretty. <laughs> thank you very much for joining me on a uh, red side of the Trent. If if any for some any reason, Forest fans want to go over and check out uh, the Villa side of things leading up to this game because I know some people like to. Where can they find your podcast? Uh, well, just go to myomensaid.com and you'll find it or go to any good podcast app, Apple, Spotify, etc., and just search My Old Man Said. Brilliant. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank Cheers, you. Mate. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.